Welcome back, everybody, once again to Political as Heck, a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Astle. And I'm Todd Todd Weiler. Hey, Corey. All right. So we just finished a session and uh, a humdinger of a session it was. So Yes, it was. I I figure it's worth um, reflecting back on on these last several weeks. I mean, I think we've been fortunate to have some really interesting guests, legislators that uh, that we've invited on, you know, your friends and uh, yeah. we've got both sides of the aisle and a lot of interesting insights, but I wanted to throw it to you and see what did we miss or what, what, how would you sum up the session? You know, it was really interesting. I know you attended a town hall yesterday with uh, Senator Dan McKay and, um, and I watched it on Facebook, but kind of the session began for from the Senate side, the session began and ended as with the Dan McKay show. <laughs> I'll say that because yeah. The very first day of the session, we passed his bill um, that uh, repealed the mask mandate in Salt Lake and Summit counties, and that was so controversial. And then within three weeks of that, all of the Democratic governors are doing the exact same thing. So the legislature, we were called murderers. You know, we 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 want we were trying to kill people. And then when the Democratic governors did the same thing, like literally two to three weeks later, they were called oh they're following the science and they're listening to the people. It's, it's mm. so hypocritical, such a double standard. And the fact of the matter is, is every day that the mask mandates were in place in January, the case counts went up and every day after the repeal, they went down. And we were probably a little bit lucky with that timing. Um, but the reality is that's what happened. And um, it is what it is. And then the I last mean, just for everyone's benefit, you're not here to say that 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 not having a mask mandate oh, no. what caused no, it. it. What we're saying the is the same thing would have happened. It had nothing to do with it. But it, it, there was no cause and effect whatsoever. Let, let's direction. be honest. If the mask mandate had remained to, into effect uh, from from January 22nd to February 7th, when those case counts were going down every day, the Democrats would have said, "See, the mask mandate's working. <laughs> this is yeah. evidence that it's working." And and that. That was part of the problem. And then the last day in the Senate, we debated for about two hours and passed Dan McKay's substitute on the transgender sports bill, which we talked about last week. So, but we, we kind of started and ended with a bang um, with the session and in between was a little bit boring and that's okay. Boring's not bad when it comes mm-hmm. to legislature. We passed like a $25 billion budget and uh, I passed 20 bills, which I'm proud of. Um, that's my- it's Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, you know, and some of them were really good bills. And one of them, I have to tell you this, Corey, one of my bills, all it did was it repealed an outdated section of code. I always have delegates saying, why don't you ever like take laws off the books? Well, I did that again this session. So hey, thank you. Yeah. On behalf of the people of Utah, thank you. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So um, yeah, it was a good session, I think. Um, you know, and as usual, the Republicans and Democrats, we work together on a lot of issues, not on the repeal of the mask mandate not on the transgender bill, but just about everything else. And I will tell you, there was a lot of media attention to what the media called the bad teacher bills. Um, you know, oh, the, the legislature hates teachers and they're trying to make teachers' lives miserable. All of those bills failed, which I would say it's evidence that the, the process is working. One, maybe one of them passed, and that was what the media called a book banning bill or book burning or banning bill. What the bill was, it was Ken Ivory's bill, and I was the Senate sponsor. It said, if a book has clearly pornographic material in it, it shouldn't be in a, in a junior high or high school library. And I was proud to sponsor that bill, and I was shocked. I was shocked with some of the books that were brought to me with the school library stickers on them from my county. 
um, uh, with some of the content in there. And Corey, when I was presenting this bill, I had all of these examples to uh, to explain on the Senate floor. And I looked up in the in the gallery because we have a public gallery and I have all of these fifth grade students on both sides. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So this is what I said. I said, senators, this material that I have seen, I've verified that was is in our school libraries would make Monica Lewinsky blush. And I said that because I knew all of the senators would understand what I was saying and none of the fifth graders would. So anyway, I think that's a good bill, even though the media panned it. So well, it I, I want to jump on that too, because yeah. how, how can you really, how can, how can you really uh, oppose like the, or, or support the idea of putting pornographic books in schools? I don't get it. And I, this same thing obviously is happening in Florida. The, the quote unquote, don't say gay bill. It's just, Which is not what that bill says. The bill what it says, says is that. that you can't teach about sexual orientation and sexual topics to kindergartners, first and second graders. Yeah. I mean, this is the I most common sense graders. thing. That yeah. used to be common sense. Yeah. <laughs> is that we don't do that. Yeah. Now, now it's hate. Now it's yeah. just, uh, it's, it's evidence that we, uh, that we hate uh, people. But anyway, so I think those are all good. And uh, but, obviously you had an incredibly successful session and I yeah, it wasn't a perfect session some of my bills got held I had I held a few uh, one of them died in the house committee we, we don't want kids yeah. in kindergarten and first grade learning to be having conversations in school about sex whether whether yeah. it's gay you know like let them just period. be kids let them just be kids you know <laughs> a couple of things that I wanted to point out there yeah. just just throw out there too is the when it comes to the schools and uh, and the teachers and they did fight back on that uh, on the class syllabus uh, publishing that like 30,000 signatures of teachers got but i mean they also did get more teacher prep days uh, there was full day kindergarten at least a 9% increase in the wpu which is the weighted pupil unit which is quite a bit i mean i think for teacher salaries and other it seems to me that the teachers can walk away with with some victories here but and some other things is uh, I, I thought great salt lake restoration and Utah Lake Authority. <clears throat> I think those are both good things. You know, uh, fifty-five um, million dollars for affordable housing for, um, you know, for the homeless project. Uh, hundred ninety-three million dollar tax cut. It, tax it was cuts. a good session all around. It was a good session. The the period perfect. products. Um, yeah, the representative yeah. Lisenby's uh, tampons will be free for- in our schools, and they should be. I mean that you know that was that was a good bill. Yeah, so. I mean it's a good thing. <clears throat> it's an obvious thing. We so, made uh, well, Juneteenth a new uh, state holiday, paid state holiday for state employees. That's the day that the last slaves were freed in uh, in the South, June nineteenth, in, in Texas, in June nineteenth. So yeah, and I mean, I think June 9, uh, Juneteenth is a is a good example of something from history that may that a lot of us didn't know about, and is a good thing to learn about. Yeah, like in the in the broader debate about um, critical race theory and that sort of thing. No, nobody is saying that we shouldn't learn about our history. I think that's a good example. That's a, per, a perfect example of, hey, maybe maybe we should have learned about that. I didn't know anything about that. Um, I think this is the ago. third the third session in the last six or seven years where we've had a Juneteenth resolution and it's passed every time. And they, 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 I mean, that's just a good example of something that's, <clears throat> that's good and I think takes a step forward. One other thing I want to talk about is um, is uh, the governor's role in this session, and I think every year I have this I have this thought, but this year maybe more than ever that when when compared to Congress, the president has a lot more power, obviously, in America than than Congress does, even though the Constitution says otherwise. But we won't debate that. 
Yeah. But here in Utah, it's very clear that the, the legislature is in the driver's seat, especially with the with the super majorities. And well, I, I just found it really interesting how the, the governor did weigh in when he did. I mean, in his original budget, he asked for um, Salt Lake restoration funding. He asked for affordable housing. He did get it. He didn't get as much anywhere near, especially on affordable housing, as he asked for. But the areas that he really dived in, I just found fascinating. As, as you pointed out, the mask mandate kicked everything off. He, he did not try to veto that, but he was very pretty clear by basically saying if he thought that he could veto it without uh, having being overridden, then he probably would have vetoed it, which I found interesting. He, the other place that he he really weighed in was on the Hope Scholarship, saying that he was going to he would that veto didn't that. Pass. I think his his veto threat. I'm not sure that that would have passed anyways, but I think with his threat of veto, that guaranteed it wouldn't pass. And you know he's going to veto the transgender sports bill. Yeah, and that's the other one I was going to say is the transgender sports. I mean, that's where he really weighed in and and actually had the most to say. And so I just. I, I don't know. I'm not saying this is a criticism, but I, it is interesting where, where the governor decided to weigh in and not. I mean, he definitely weighed in when he did on issues that were cultural issues. And in the past, I know he said multiple times that he doesn't like to weigh in on cultural issues, but I'm not sure that that happened this time. I think he actually did. Yeah, so, he uh, did. And and I I, I could I, I I think what he did, in my opinion, was appropriate, but I don't want to revisit that issue again. But let me just say, our system is set up like Congress. So the reason the president is so much more powerful than Congress in D.C. on the national level is because Congress is so divided. They couldn't agree on which, you know, what color the sky is right now. And you're right to mention our supermajority, uh, but um, the governor still has a lot of power. I mean, remember, when we go home, uh, on March 4th, he's there running the executive branch the whole rest of the year, and the governor has a lot of power. And um, I do think he's um, smart to be circumspect with his vetoes because Governor Herbert had several vetoes overridden, and that does kind of make him look weak. And um, and uh, I think uh, Spencer Cox had three vetoes last year. None of them were overridden. So we'll see. I mean, he said last year that he was going to veto more bills than Herbert did. He didn't do that last year. He's kind of right in line with Herbert. So we'll see what happens this year. There's one or two bills. I'm hoping that he'll veto. So in any event, and I mean, I'm I don't know whether he should have know that. vetoed more or less, but I do think that it, again, to me, like just as an observer, it seems like he, he very much, the battles that he picked were basically like uh, vetoing from the left. And, and just to remind people, uh, Senator McCall, Mike McCall, is married to Spencer Cox's sister. And the very first veto that Spencer Cox ever made was his brother-in-law's bill, which I think- Is that right? Oh. Yes, that was last year. And I think that sent a strong message saying, hey, nobody's safe up here. And I think Spencer and Mike are good friends, but, um, uh, and I think Mike has since told me that he asked the governor to veto it. But in any event, the first veto he made was his own brother-in-law's bill. So that's interesting. All right. So uh, we, we had some retirements and it was a very interesting uh, structure this time. And that if you wanted to run again, you needed to, you needed to file before like the last day of the session. Right. So, I mean, that was interesting. So what do you, what do you think in terms of like retirements and uh, you know, we had the caucuses and all that, like what's your What are your thoughts? Well, the caucuses, I think, uh, with some exceptions, the caucuses were a very low, weak turnout. 
Um, I, 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 everybody knows somebody, everybody in politics knows somebody that had 30 to 50 people in, a, in one precinct. But overall, I was at Woods Cross High School. We had about, yeah, 10 in my caucus. Yeah, um, same. We had 11. I was asked to oversee what we call the orphan precincts. And these were precincts due to boundary changes that had no caucus uh, or precinct chairs. And so I took them all in the gym and I organized those um, caucuses. We had two precincts at, at one high school. So maybe 20 total. So about 10% had zero um, delegates show up. And we had another wow. two with only one delegate that showed up. Um, wow. And so, um, you know, I think that, um, with all that said, I think that it was a favorable night for Mike Lee. Um, I, I think uh, Becky Lockhart and Allie Isom are going to have a tough time uh, making headway with the delegates. Now, Becky Edwards did turn in 28,000 signatures. And my sense from just my caucus experience was um, Mike Lee had a lot of support there. Yeah, I mean, so I'm in Lehigh and uh, our precincts were Lehigh, Saratoga. We had about, um, what, 10 precincts in a, in a junior high and it was extremely low turnout. Same thing. And I, I was really surprised about that. I, th I thought there would be more energy. I mean, I guess I didn't expect the 2010 type of numbers, but yeah. I thought there would be a little bit more. And it is interesting to me, too, that, um, you know, we, we also have some, especially in our area, we have these uh, new districts that have, been, that have been created. And so there's a little bit more competition, which makes it a little yeah. bit more interesting. But I think all of us saw, those of us who are on Twitter, which is like, essentially 99% of Salt Lake Democrats uh, are on Twitter and like almost no conservatives I've found in, in Utah, but, <laughs> but uh, I'm a on lot Twitter. Of it, well, you're not a calling me a conservative, but I'm on Twitter, but no, Twitter's you are, very, you're, yeah, you're, Twitter's very liberal. You're the, uh, you, you are the, the face of, uh, of definitely of Republicans and, um, and, and probably the greatest troll that I've ever seen. So I, I congratulate <laughs> you for that. I'll but, say that, uh, I'll that. There was a ton of, I, I, I mean, I must've saw 20 posts of people, Democrats were liberals saying that they went to their caucus and essentially no one was there and they got voted in. And I, I don't think that that's representative, but it really is interesting. I mean, and, and, and brazen, to be honest with you, that so many people are going out there and just basically publicly saying I did this thing. And yeah, we had a few of those at my high school. We had, we had one very liberal Democrat that I saw there who got elected as a delegate. And then uh, you know, so look at there's, we've never in the history of the state had a perfect election. We never will. We've never in the history of the state had a perfect caucus. We never will. But, um, I still think they're pretty good. You know, they're not perfect, but they're pretty good. And, yeah. uh, you know, 20, 20 Democrats or even 200 Democrats statewide elected as delegates. They're not going to change the outcome uh, the ultimate outcome. Oh, the last topic. So uh, we know this. Jenny Wilson and Ben McAdams have endorsed Evan McMullen. Yes. Mitt Romney came out and said that uh, he couldn't decide. He couldn't decide between friends to endorse between Mike Lee and uh, and Evan McMullen. Uh, I have I have real thoughts about that. What do you? <laughs> what do you well, you and I have talked during the week, so I know <laughs> your thoughts. Let me just say this. I think uh, number one, uh, Mitt Romney. This is an informed uh, opinion of mine. I think, number one, Mitt Romney knows that ultimately his opinion is not going to change the outcome. Mike Lee is going to get reelected to the U.S. Senate from Utah. But number two, I think Mitt Romney is genuinely friends with both Mike Lee and Evan McMullen. And I'm going to tell you something that most people don't know. Uh, Mike Lee and Mitt Romney, their offices are across the hall from each other, which is unheard of. And I've had several people that have been involved with Utah politics for 40 or 50 years 
tell me they've never seen two Utah U.S. senators work in such collaboration and friendship as Mike Lee and, and Mitt Romney do. So certainly Orrin Hatch and Bob Bennett didn't work this closely together. Jake Garn and Orrin Hatch. And, uh, you know, they always put on a friendly face to other people. But a lot of times behind the scenes, there's jealousy and competition and backstabbing and things like that. So Mitt Romney and Mike Lee, I think, have a tremendous amount of respect and uh, for each other. They're very different, but they have it. And they're working collaboratively, which is good for our state. Uh, but Mike Lee did not endorse Mitt Romney in 2016 or 2018. And Mitt Romney's not going to endorse Mike Lee in 2022, and it's not going to make a hill of beans difference. <laughs> so I have a little experience uh, being in those delegations, so yes. I, I can I can vouch for the fact that they don't uh, they don't always completely love each other. This this look if uh, if Senator Romney didn't want to endorse Mike Lee, so be it. But I, I do find it really appalling that he basically said that uh, that Evan McMullen was was an equivalent vote. I mean, this guy who is the just an epic grifter who owes $670,000 and he's raised a million and a half dollars from what? From small donations of the radical left, from MSNBC, from anti-Trumpers. It's absolutely appalling. I just, it's terribly frustrating to see um, Senator Romney, like, I guess, just lend credence to the campaign of, of this uh, MSNBC starlet. I just, I just find it, well, personally, like almost offensive, like politically. Let me say, I, I don't know Evan McMullen personally. I don't really want to, uh, but he might be a good friend. He might be a good neighbor. Um, but as a politician, um, I think he's disgusting. And um, like you said, he owes Utah vendors over um, $650,000 from his failed presidential campaign six years ago. And and now and he doesn't live in the state of Utah. He I don't think he has lived in the state of Utah uh, since he graduated from BYU 100 years ago. And he just uses Utah as a post office box so he can run for office and get attention. And, you know, in and with all the attention, I voted for Evan McMullen in 2016, not because I wanted him to be president, but because of the Trump you know, the pornographic tape and, or the pornograph, you know, the, all of that stuff that came out with the access Hollywood tape, but I'm embarrassed that I voted for him because, you know, in, in with all the publicity he got, all he did was attack Trump for, for all of four years. And he pretend he says he's a Republican. I haven't seen a single Republican thing about him since 2016. And the fact that Ben McAdams, the two, two of the leading Democrats in the state are saying, let's throw our Democratic support in Utah behind Evan McMullen, instead of Kale Weston, who is a registered Democrat who filed for the Senate, tells me that he's more appealing to the Democrats now than he is to the Republicans. And so I have zero respect for him as a candidate, even though I'll hold out the, the possibility that he's a very good person personally. Yeah. And let's, let's talk a little bit about the uh, Jenny Wilson and, and Ben McAdams. I yes. mean, that's just really pathetic. I've lived in a, I've lived in an area where it was all Democrats and, uh, and Republicans. We were like the little engine that could yeah. and got our butts kicked, but you know, we showed up and got our butts kicked. And, uh, I just, I don't know. I, I find it to be a little bit more, a little more than a pathetic that they, that so, they are going this route. I don't think there's any mechanism. I mean, the Democrats are going to hold a convention, a state convention next month. I don't think there's any mechanism where they can reject Kale Weston. He's the only Democrat that's filed for us Senate. My guess is at the end of the day, he's going to get the nomination. He's going to be on the ballot, which means he's going to split the vote with Evan McMullen, which is actually helpful to Mike Lee. I don't <laughs> think Mike Lee is in a threat, What you know, even if Kale Weston is not on the ballot. 
So instead of Mike Lee winning, you know, maybe 54 to, you know, 30 to 20 or something like that, it's going to be, you know, you know, if it was Evan McMullen and just, if it was just Evan McMullen and Mike Lee, then Evan McMullen might get 35 or 40% of the vote if all the Democrats were voting for him. But it, it, Mike Lee is going to get reelected regardless of what the Democrats do. All right. That was fun. We'll, yeah. uh, all right. We'll all see right. you next week, Corey. Hey, see you next Thanks. week. Thanks.